James chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be, there, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, the farmer, waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and he has long patience for it. How I many know he's long patience for it? And right now on the planet Earth, we're running into, they tell me in January, 8 billion people on planet Earth. That's a lot of harvest. That's a lot of harvest. And even though the church has been growing, even though that's good and all over the world the church is growing, people are getting born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, good things are happening, yet there is still a lot of harvest to be had. And he is waiting until he receives the early and the latter rain. And so I've been talking on our part. Remember, we've been talking about intercession. What is intercession? Intercession is you approaching the king on behalf of someone who has no standing. And it's a form of prayer. And there's all kinds of prayer. And so we looked at that. So let's look at 1 Timothy. One of the uh, New Testament ways to pray for the lost is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses, uh, start at verse 1. It says, I exhort therefore uh, that first of all, supplications, that's a type of prayer, it's fervent, it's heartfelt. A lot of times we see that you're praying for other saints. Um, it's like uh, the apostle Paul said this, he said, um, I travail in birth for you, that's a type of prayer, until Christ be formed in you. And so a supplication, what else can you supplicate for the saints? Well, you can take all the epistle prayers, and there's a lot of them. Uh, all the epistle prayers, the Ephesians prayers, the Colossians prayers, a prayer in Philippians, all those prayers. And you can just take what Paul prayed uh, from the word and pray that over yourself and definitely pray that over other people. You know, he, he prayed that, they, that people that are born again would know what is of real value. They would know what is vital. Amen. There's all kinds. The eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. So that's supplication. He said, I pray, uh, first of all, for supplications, prayers, just general prayers, intercessions, that's what we're talking about, where you're praying for someone else who is not in right standing with the Lord. They're either backslidden or they're lost. And giving of thanks. And, what, and praise and worship. Really, praise and worship, when I teach on prayer, I include that in prayer because it is a, it is a form of prayer. And so it's not just supposed to be singing songs. We're actually supposed to be ministering to the Lord. We're supposed to be communicating with the Lord. And when you communicate to the Lord, he wants to communicate back. So it's not just singing songs, right? It's not just playing instruments. It's not just wasting time until we get to the word. It, it, there's a purpose in it. It does get your heart ready, but you come at it like it's prayer. I'm ministering to the Lord. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm singing to the Lord, and he's talking back to me. And then it says this, so I exhort, therefore, or you could say I ordain, or um, I give you a directive. So this is direction from headquarters. Amen. That first of all, supplication, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks, be made for all men. Well, how in the world am I going to pray for all men? Well, you can only do that by the Holy Ghost. You can only do that as he brings people across your heart. You can only do that as he brings people groups across uh, from your, uh, you know, to your heart. Uh, it wasn't long ago on a Wednesday night, I had Eastern Africa on my heart, and we prayed for about five or six nations there. I can't pray for everybody individually. There's a lot of folks that live in those countries. But I prayed for them as a people group. I've had the Lord do that before. So pray for all men. And then it says for kings. And we're not going to stop here because I could stop and meddle again. But I already meddled. I already talked to you about it. So we're going to pray for kings. How do you know you don't get to decide who the king is? Kings. That Charles business over there in that England place. Right? Did, did, it, did they get to vote on? Why? How did Charles get to be king? Because he's such a good guy? Because he was born that way. All throughout the Bible, there were kings, right? They're still kings today. But they're selected basically because of birth, and then they're put in a position, and the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for kings. So you and I don't have a king, hallelujah, but then go on, and for all those that are in authority. What kind of authority? Well, spiritual authority, yes, but those who are in authority, period, end of story. That would be for us. It would be mayors. It would be uh, uh, governors, city council, uh, uh, representatives, House of Representatives, Senate in the state. Then it goes on to federal. You would pay, pray for your president. You would pray for the vice president. You'd pray for the senators. You pray, so you pray for all those that are in authority. Amen. Whether they're your favorite or not, Amen, I can't help it. I can't just let it go. It is most childish and toddlerish Christianity. 
that you would say, I refuse to pray for someone. When the Bible gives you a directive, it just shows your maturity. It just shows your understanding of the word. I don't care how many followers he has. I'm talking about preachers and preacherettes. I don't care. Stick with the word. Stick with the word. Stick with the word. Why? That you may lead. Does anybody want to lead? A quiet and a peaceable life. I don't know what they kind of life they want to lead. I want to lead this. And then that's outwardly quiet and peaceable. And then it's really talking about in inwardly a, a life of godliness and honesty or integrity. Praise the Lord. So... It's a coming around again. This is the U.S. of A. We vote all the time around here. Vote. Pray. Ask the Lord who to vote for. You ought to vote uh, how the Bible, you know, what's in your heart. You ought to do that. Amen. Right? But after it's over, you pray. You pray for kings, for all that are in authority. And really, I'm gonna, I can't just drive by, I don't know why, because it's coming up again, it's fresh in every mind. You're really praying for a seat, not a person. I pray for the seat of president. The heart of the king's in the Lord's hand. And if I refuse to pray, then I'm not giving the Lord anything to work with. This is the, when everything is going bad, is the wrong time <laughs> to quit praying. Democracies all over the world. People listen to us from all over the world, from Chile, from uh, other nations. Listen, if you have a democracy, I, I know it's popular right now, but stick with the word. Yes. I, we have people tune in from everywhere. I'm just telling you, stick with the word. Why? Well, well he didn't stop there. Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in, si in the sight of God. So when we do this, when we pray for spiritual authority, when we pray for authority, when we pray for the kings in case we have a king, what God says this is good. And acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who, why does he do this? I don't know, but he did. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's something about praying for those in authority that connects to people getting saved and coming to the knowledge of the truth. You can't change that. Amen. And people say, well, I just want a quiet and peaceable life. Well, you can't change what he said to do. Can you pray, Lord, give me a quiet, peaceable life? Yeah, but if you're talking against and if you're refusing to do what the Bible says, then you're not setting yourself up for what God promises. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. My spiritual father said, say amen or oh me. Hallelujah. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man. So now we begin to talk about mediation. We begin to talk about intercession. Who gave himself for a ransom for all to testify, be testified in due time. So that is intercession. So you wouldn't, sometimes in our circle, you wouldn't think intercession is praying for a spiritual leader. But that is actual intercession. You can do that in English. You do that by the word. So in our circle, though, a lot of times we think intercession is just praying in other tongues, and it can be done. So let's look at that. If you're not familiar with praying in other tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to every born-again believer. No matter what you were told when you were growing up, I was told some bad things. I was told some wrong, wrong things, but I had to get into the Word, and I had to understand it. And then when you pray, understand this about prayer, that... Um, it would be wrong for me to get up right now and I could do it, start talking in tongues without an interpretation because I'm ministering to you. I'm talking to you. So it would be wrong. And so Paul told the Corinthian church, that's wrong. Don't do that. And if a message in tongues is given, somebody needs to be there to interpret it. But the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, I will pray in the spirit. And I will pray in the understanding. I will sing in the spirit. And I will sing in the understanding also. So it's okay then if you're not talking to someone. Because praying in tongues is talking to God. It's praying. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2. When you pray in the spirit, you pray out mysteries. No man understands you, but God understands you. That is praying in the Holy Ghost. And so one of the ways to pray an intercession prayer, to, when you pray for someone, I would tell you to start out with the word, pray what you know. But then, then Romans chapter 8 says this. So you understand, praying in the Holy Ghost, even in a group, out loud, everybody doing it at the same time, is scriptural. 
What is wrong is for me to stand up here and pray in tongues. People ask this too, and I like these questions. I love doctrine questions. Um, I like these questions because if we can't prove it by the word, we ought not do it. So like uh, when I lay hands on people, you'll hear me sometimes pray in other tongues. All I'm doing is keeping focus because when I lay hands on them, I want something spiritual to happen to them. They don't need what's in my mind. I don't really got anything in my hands naturally. And so what I'm doing is I'm staying attached to what's on the inside, the Holy Ghost on the inside, and let the Spirit of God flow. I'm not talking to you anyway. And if it's something they need to know, you don't get to know it all the time because uh, I, I turn my microphone off and I'll interpret it for them. But you don't need to know it. It's none of your business. It's personal. Aren't you glad God tell it, doesn't tell all of our business to everybody? You ought to say a big amen on that one. Lord, thank you. Hallelujah. And so, but praying in, in other tongues. So here you see this in Romans 8, 26. Uh, my review is going to go long. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, better translation, because the Holy Ghost is not an it, uh, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So uh, pray in other tongues, groanings, and he that searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then verse 34, same chapter, Romans 8, says, who is it that condemns? So how many know there's no condemnation in Christ? If you're messed up, God doesn't say to you, that's too bad, buttercup, you made your mess, you know, you lie in it. No, Jesus is always living to make intercession for us. It is Christ that died for you rather than is risen again, who is seated at the right hand of God in his high priestly duty, who makes intercession for us. The Bible says that he makes intercession for us and he saves us to the uttermost. I'm so grateful that he ever lives to make intercession. And if he's at the throne making intercession, then you and I here on the earth by the help of the Holy Ghost are also to make intercession. We are supposed to be praying. Then I said another way. So that's a form of intercession. Another way, uh, Jesus himself said in Matthew and Luke, he said, uh, remember he was moved when he saw the, the, the multitudes, they were without a shepherd, and he was moved with compassion. And then he said, the harvest is plenteous. And the laborers are few. And I know just not very long ago on a Wednesday, I think it was on a Wednesday, I've been praying so much, uh, doing this with this person and that person, praying so much. But I prayed out this. It's harvest time. Where are my laborers? It's harvest time. Where are my laborers? How you know, this is not for you. There's no guilt and condemnation. But how you know if you just reach one person, if you're like the woman at the well, you don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to. Well, that's just not my forte, Pastor Mark. Well, uh, I, I disagree. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've all been given a word of reconciliation, and you're an ambassador. Come on, say that real bold. I'm an ambassador. If you're an ambassador, what does that mean? An ambassador gets to live like they're, uh, you know, living in their uh, old nation, yet, and all the rules of that nation apply to them. You know where you're from? You know what? You, you, I know you have a natural passport, but did you know you have a spiritual passport? And mine is stamped what? It's not stamped U.S. of A. It's stamped, he's a son of God from heaven. He's from heaven. My name's written there. I'm on the registry. I've got a passport. I'm an ambassador. And I've got a word for you. And it's a word of reconciliation. And God's not mad at you anymore. And, and because of Jesus, you've found favor in the father of all fathers, in the God of all gods, in the king of all kings. And he wants to know you. He wants you to know him. That's our message, right? What is that? Well, even that, recognizing that you are a minister of reconciliation is also a form of intercession. If you, pray, if you know who you are, when you go to pray that, you'll be more powerful in your prayers, knowing that your prayers make a difference. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, so Jesus said, pray, ask the Lord to send laborers into his harvest field. Uh, and so we can pray, you, you know, somebody, and maybe it's a family member and maybe you're not there. How many know we always, we're not always the right uh, laborer for our own family. They would hate to admit that, you know, something more than they do. And so maybe you got to send a laborer. But if you're going to send a laborer, you ought to sow being a laborer. 
Because whatever you sow, you'll also and so if you've got some folks, you need to get born again. And I'm telling you, people around here from everywhere in the world, I know there's some grandmas, some grandpas, some aunts, some uncles, right? Some moms, some dads, some brothers and sisters. Lord, when they get down there to Alabama, they go to church down there. Lord, send somebody across their path. Get them in church. Hallelujah. Amen. So, all right. Y'all good? So those are just some different things from Jesus from the new covenant, from the epistles where you and I live. And so uh, though some of the most explicit forms of intercession and the prayers of intercession are found in the old covenant. Now that's not where you and I get our doctrine, but the old covenant is for our example. And so he uh, said, so, well, I, I thought we we're New Testament people. Uh, yeah, and the Old Testament is for our example, and it's quoted in the New Testament. I like this one time, this guy uh, got born again and somebody gave him a New Testament and they came back to him and they said, where's the rest of the book? Where's the rest of the book? Because it's quoted. And if Jesus quoted it, it's good enough for us to quote too. You don't get your doctrine from there, but you get your examples from there. And so if God doesn't do away with something, like he didn't ever do away with tithes, that's why, and the, and the New Testament talks about, he talked about it, and then the um, epistles talk about it, then we keep doing it. But aren't you glad we don't have to give any animal sacrifices anymore? I just put new carpet up in here, and I'm really glad that there are no animal sacrifices anymore. Jesus sacrificed himself as the Lamb of God once and for all. Amen. Uh, you don't have to keep the festivals anymore. You don't. If you want to honor one, if you want to think, but your New Testament, that's Old Testament. Amen. Jesus fulfilled them all. He is them all. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. But we can get an example. Are you ready for some example? Let's go to the, one of the best ones, Genesis chapter 18. Talk about the prayer of intercession. This kind of, this shows us, doesn't kind of, this shows us how it's done and how it was done. Have you been praying for folks? Amen. You got some people on your heart? So we've done it individually. Now I want you to see that you can intercede for a group of people. You can intercede for a city. You can intercede for a nation. You can intercede for a people group. And so we've mostly talked about us being laborers to an individual and the Lord caring about individuals. Like uh, when the, you know, uh, the, you know, the account of the prodigal, I thought I was ready for this. You know, the account of the prodigal son, right? Before that, the, the Lord Jesus is talking about giving examples about, you remember the woman who had, was it 10 pieces of silver and she lost one. And you remember she tore her house up because it was a piece of silver, but she had nine but she lost one and she did not sit down and she did not rest until she found it. And when she found it, she rejoiced. And then the Bible says it's like that when one sinner comes home, even the angels throw a party in heaven. So sometimes when you see people, I don't do it often. I do it inspired by the Lord. When I ask one person up here, when, I, when they get come, uh, re get, rededicate or give their life to the Lord, I'll ask them their name. And I'll, they'll tell me their name. I said, did you know, according to the scripture, the angels in heaven are rejoicing? Did you know that Jesus just turned to the Father, gave their name, and said, has come home? Heaven is very involved when one person comes back to the Lord or especially is born again. There's a party up there, says Jesus. And then you remember that he gave the example of 100 sheep. You know, uh, one little lamb got lost and that he left the 99 and went after the one, put it on his shoulder, didn't break no legs. You know, I know that account. I've seen people and I've heard preachers preach, you know, got to break the legs so it'll stay in the fold. That's just ridiculous and stupid. And so he didn't do that. He just picked it up, carried it home. Hallelujah. And then, you know, and then you, why? He left the 99 and went after the one. So listen to me. The Lord is saying those that are out there, those that are lost, those who are thinking crazy, those who are acting crazy, those who you think have literally lost their mind, and they have. The Lord didn't say disdain them. The Lord didn't say write them off. The Lord didn't say ridicule them, post about them, and whatever about them. He said pray for them. Amen. He said go after them. That's, his, that's the harvest. 
Those are the lost ones. He cares about them. He loves them. Now get this. He loves them as much as he loves you. Oh, his love for you never changes. If you think it does, then you're very performance-based on your love. His love for you has, he loved you when you were dirty, rotten, undone, away from God. He loved you the same. How could he love me the same? I'm doing good now. He should love me more. Then you think about God as performance love. That's very human. But that's not how God loves. It's an everlasting love. It's an unconditional love. It's not performance-based. Now, listen, the Lord can be more or less pleased with you. Just like as a dad, right? As a mom, you can be more or less pleased with your child, but you're never going to stop loving them. Write them off, right? Hallelujah. So God loves those knuckleheads. Aren't you glad he loves some of the people we're praying for, some of them knuckleheads? Aren't you glad he loves them? He loved you when you were a knucklehead. He, he loved me when I began to believe there are many ways to God. When I turned my back on him, he loved me. And he kept sending people. He had people pray for me. Hallelujah. They're out there and it's, we're on the verge. I believe we're on the verge of the greatest harvest. Thank God for everything going on in the world. You know, it's not just about US of A. I mean, there are great things happening everywhere. Right? Great things happening everywhere. And not just people getting born again. People getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Lives being changed. But there's still a harvest to bring in. And God wants to use you. And he wants to use me. So he wants us not only to concentrate on the individual, but now he wants us to pull back and look at the multitude. And so we've got two cities here. You've heard of them. Genesis 18. And remember, um, this is uh, where... This is, well, how far back do we want to go? Abraham and God are in covenant, right? Remember, this is still before Sarah has had Isaac. This is that time when this is Sodom, Gomorrah. This is walking by the tent. Sarah laughs, Sarah lies, right? This is that time. What did God say? God said, um, I gotta go, we gotta go talk to verse 17, Genesis 18, 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? People would be like, What? You're God, you can do whatever you want to do. Because he's in covenant with a man on the earth, he said, Should I hide? Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. The Lord may, uh, may uh, bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now to see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come up from me. And, and if not, I will know it. The Bible talks about the, that uh, the wages of sin is death. And so you can see this, that sin cries out for judgment. Now listen, before we get into this too soon, I've heard preachers say, if God doesn't judge the United States of America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Listen, this was pre-Jesus. Jesus took all of our judgment. We live in a different time and a different setting. That's why when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Because everything was laid on him. Amen. And you don't, if you judge yourself, you don't have to be judged anymore. And uh, he's talking about 50 righteous. There's more than 50 righteous in this room. Hallelujah. So don't buy into that nonsense. Hallelujah. But sin calls out for judgment. And the men turned their face from thence, verse 22, and they went towards Sodom, and Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, will you destroy the righteous? So he is talking to God. Kind of like face to face, I'm thinking. How awesome is this? Something's going on here. 
And so Abraham becomes the first auctioneer. And so he starts with, notice what he says, Lord, if I can find 50 what? Righteous. righteous. Are you righteous? Amen. Who made you righteous? Jesus made you righteous. So we're looking at righteous. And so righteousness in the Old Testament came uh, because Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him righteous. In other words, it was added to his account. Accounted uh, unto him. It is an accounting term for something that is, that is given to you uh, b- based on an action that you did. Because he believed God, it was counted unto him as righteous. So Abraham's righteous. He knows he's righteous. He's in covenant with God. And so how many of you know? that Lot is living over there. And later you're going to find out that the Lord considered, even though Lot was living in mess, he still considered him righteous. It's interesting. Um, so he said, is there 50 uh, therein? And, and verse 35, this is, this is intercession. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. And the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee shall not judge all the earth shall not the judge of all. So he's talking to him. You're the judge of all the earth. You got to do right. If there's 50 righteous in there, you can't slay them with all them wicked folk. And what did the Lord answer? And the Lord said, if I can find 50, we're good to go. And then Abraham, verse 27 said, behold, now I take it upon me to speak unto the Lord. Now I'm just some dust and ashes. I love that. For adventure there, you know, if there's just five less, if there's just 45, will you destroy all the city for, for just, there's five less. And he said, if I find 45 there, I'll not destroy it. And he spake to him yet again and said, peradventure there be 40. And he said, I'll, I won't destroy it if there's 40. And he said, to him, oh, Lord, don't be angry with me. What is that? That is intercession. You approach the king on behalf of somebody who has no standing. These people are living in all kinds of gross sin. They tried to mess with some angels. Um, uh, Lot's not living right because he offered his daughters. This is a mess. This is a mess. And yet you've got Abraham, a man of God in covenant, standing between them and judgment. And God said, if there's 30, I'll not destroy it. Come on, this is the mercy of God and you can see it. Because if God said there's 30, I won't destroy it. He meant it. So go on and said, Lord, don't be angry. Uh, if there's 30. Uh, and he said, behold, I have t- I, I'm going to take it on to the Lord peradventure. There's 20. And he said, I'll not destroy it for 20. He said, oh, Lord, verse 32, be, be, don't be angry. I'm going to speak one more time. Now, that was Abraham's big mistake. He said, I'm going to speak one more time. I'm going to, because I've heard people say, the Lord didn't destroy it. No, he, the Lord destroyed it because he stopped at 10. I firmly believe this. You can't prove it by scripture. And I guess this is an opinion, but you'll get one. This one's not a bad one. If he would have said, Lord, I do not want Lot to move home with me. He's a mess right now. I have peace and quiet over in my, I gave him the best. Remember Lot took the best. Abraham took the worst because he had a covenant with God. It doesn't matter what you do. I know what God's going to do for me. Take the best. It doesn't bother me. I don't care what. You do whatever, God's going to take care of me. I'll take the worst and God will take care of me. And he did. And so what happened to Lot, he kept moving closer and closer to Sodom. Took him a wife. Children. Became intertwined with the world, which this is a type of. Now, it says, he said, I'm not destroyed. Verse 33, and the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham. Because he said, I'm going to talk to you just one more time. And it was over. Intercede until you get a victory. Intercede until you know you got it. Now, again, intercession, this is, this is pretty hefty. He's got two whole cities on him as an intercessor. But... You notice that he went on, lived, Abraham went on, lived his life. God gave him an opportunity to intercede for the lost. The Lord needs us. It seems as though God can't do anything until somebody on the earth with a covenant asks. And instead of just leaving them alone in their sin, instead of just leaving them alone, instead, there's, there's two whole cities here that 
he prayed. You say, well, why do you bring this up? Because it didn't work out. It didn't work out because the intercessor gave up. Because he knew there weren't 10. He can count. I don't even know at that time if he was counting Lot. And you know, the angels came, they destroyed it. Um, I wish I need to. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to show you where it talked about, maybe that's in the New Testament. Um, I don't have it written down, but it does say, it may be in the New Covenant. It just says it is in the New Covenant. Lord, can I know it's in the New Covenant. Can you tell me where scripture it is? Hallelujah. Um, it's, it's where that sin vexed Lot's righteous soul. Vexed his, it's a, so it talks about him as righteous. If he would have said, Lord, would you spare it for Lot? Because have you heard people say, well, I believe Jesus would have came to the earth if it just for one person. I think this would have proven that if Abraham would have said, would you, because it called Lot righteous. There was one righteous soul. And I believe it would have been saved for, at that moment, for one righteous soul. But he stopped. I guess my, uh, is I, I see some things. And because of what the Lord's asked me to do and what I'm called to and what I see and what I know, is it just bothers me if the body of Christ is going to give up on the harvest. Well, they're just as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, let's not stop, though. Let's pull them out. How? By prayer. By prayer. By asking God to spare them. By asking God to intervene in their lives. By asking that, that, that the, the word of taking authority over the blinders that are currently on their eyes and sending labors across their path, that the light of the glorious gospel would come into them just like it came into you and just like it came into me and we were born again. And then once they get born again, that they would get filled with the Holy Ghost and they would come to a knowledge of the truth and they'd be able to live a righteous life. Amen. I knew it was in the New Testament. I was going to, 2 Peter 2.7. Can you throw that up for me? I just want you to see it because I don't want you to think I'm pulling things out of the air. 2 Peter. And he delivered just, other tra translation, put that in the Amplified Classic in a minute. Vexed with Phil's conference. Uh, put that in the Amplified Classic, 2 Peter 2.7. He rescued righteous Lot. What was wrong with righteous Lot? He was greatly worn out. When you live like the world, when you talk like the world, when you listen to the world, you're going to get worn out. That's why we come to church on Wednesday night. Because them people wear me out. Not you, them. And we haven't been delivered up from them yet. There's not been a trouble. We got to interact with them. But we can't have disdain for them. But we got to know they wear us out. <laughs> and greatly worn out and distressed by the wanton ways of the ungodly and the lawless. We're living in times with the ungodly and lawless. What should we do? We shouldn't stop. Lord, spare them. Lord, help them. Send labors to them. Lord, use us as laborers. Pray for them. Command the blinders come off their eyes. Amen. So this is really one of the greater examples of what the prayer of intercession does. And so you can just take the word. What I'm doing right now, just take the word of God, take it to a people group. Huntsville, Madison. For us, I do a lot of time North Alabama, Southern Tennessee. That's the scope that God has given us as a regional church. And I pray for them. But sometimes when we go to other nations, I have uh, um, a lot of spiritual authority in the nation of Chile. We have, uh, when we go to places, uh, we've had other, we have other authority uh, that when we get to other places, because the, the people, they give it, they, and we have authority there. Sometimes when we're praying on Wednesday, I tell the people, I get excited. I'm like, get your passport ready today. Uh, we go to different nations sometimes because the Lord, he has, we, because we live on the earth, we have authority on the earth. And we're seated in heavenly places. And so if we'll take our authority and begin to pray. It's not helpless. It's not hopeless. 
It's not hang on. Come on, you and I know better than this. It's not just hang on till Jesus comes. No, it's just see how many we can get born again. It's how many, how many can we get delivered? How many can we get changed? Hallelujah. Come on, how, how, how many like us being like that, the woman of the well, that we can go back to our people and say, come meet a man, hallelujah. And, and, and you get him in his presence and then some of them believe because of what she said, but others believe because they heard him for himself. All you gotta do is get him in the room. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm sometimes concerned about bringing him in this room because it gets kind of wild up in here. You know what? I don't care anymore. This is a Holy Ghost church. This is a Holy Ghost church. I am not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't have to be in the back room on Sunday morning. He is welcome here. All the time. Lord, interrupt us. Hallelujah. Now, we'll do things decently in order. This will not, it doesn't have to evolve into chaos, though. I will not let it devolve into chaos. I like what people say to me. I like the move of the spirit here, but I also like that um, I feel safe here. Because if you do it with the word, if you do it decently in order, I'm not going to let people run around and prophesy to you all the time. And I'll just warn you if you're new, if you try to do that, uh, some, usually it'll be an associate pastor will come take your hand off of and ask you what you're doing. And, and if you say they got, gave me permission, that's fine, but we don't do free for all. Is that clear? Why are we bringing it up here on a Wednesday night? Just because people are going to come in from all different places and they need to feel comfortable, but they need to see God. He's real. You can feel him. You can sense him is a better word. But after I sense him, I can feel him. Hallelujah. He's real. And his reality changed my life. I felt him when he came on this young adult at 22, 20, probably 23 years old, 23. And shook, the power of God shook me for 45 minutes. That was real. I, I, I don't know, and you all know it because I keep bringing it up because it was so real. And it, to me, it happened yesterday because it was so real. We need those kind of things. Amen. How does that happen? By us praying, by believing God. By creating an atmosphere. By when people walk through the doors that you don't know. And I know there's a lot of people you don't know that go to church here. But by you being friendly. By you being set in an atmosphere. Amen. Where everybody feels welcome. Where everybody's comfortable. People get more when they're comfortable. Even if they don't understand. You know, my spiritual father used to say this. Everybody doesn't understand, understand tongues. Everybody doesn't understand this or that. But everybody understands love. And so we want to show them love. And we want you to show them love. Hallelujah. Let's get back to interceding. Let's look at another one. Y'all good? Amen. I'm good. I'm happy. Hallelujah. Happy. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 32. Thank the Lord for good utterance. I believe we've got good doors of utterance. Exodus chapter 32. Um, here we go. This is another good one. I like this one. Well, it didn't start out so hot. Moses is up receiving the Big Ten. I'm not talking about a football conference. He's up, he's up uh, getting the Big Ten. He's getting the, you know, the Ten Commandments. He's up in the glory of God. And uh, he's up there for a little while. Um, and uh, verse th chapter 32, we'll just start verse 1. And the people saw that Moses delayed. He wasn't delayed. Uh, he was in God's presence. Come down to the mountain. The people gathered themselves together. So the people, just like in the New Testament, remember what, what did the Bible say? Beware of those uh, in, the old in the New Covenant. It talks about itching ears. It talks about the people drew after themselves teachers. The people had itching ears. Another thing they want to say, I, this is what I want to hear. And they're going to make a teacher, a preacher, feed them what they want to hear or they're not coming. A big crowd doesn't mean God's happy. Big crowd doesn't mean God happy. Big crowd can mean God happy. It can. A big crowd can mean the presence of God. Uh, Christopher Alam, he has big crowds. God happy. Just But a big crowd doesn't always mean God happy. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, itching ears. Well, this is what's going on right here. So they gathered themselves together, and they went to Aaron. Uh-oh. And said to him, um, up. In other words, you work for us now. Make us gods, which you go, shall go before us. For as for this Moses, disdain and disrespect, 
the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, um, we don't know where he's at or what he's doing. And we're done. And Aaron said to them, no, hold off. Moses is up with God. Wait patiently. I'm a servant. I know him. I trust him. I, I, everything's going to be all right. Y'all just calm down. That is not what happened. Aaron immediately obeyed them like a little puppy dog. And, and he went and he said, y'all, he must have been thinking about this. He must have been thinking about this. What are we going to do if Moses don't come back? I'm going to be large and in charge. What are we going to do? We're going to break off golden earrings and uh, your sons and your daughter. Everybody had earrings. Everybody had gold back then. And the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received them in their hand. And he fashioned. So how many of you know they didn't go to Walmart and get them a cow? Took a little while. They were fashioning this thing. Got to burn it down. All this, all this. And all the people break off the gold, did it. And they received it into their hand and fashioned it a graving tool after they made a molten calf and said, these be your gods. Oh, Israel, which brought you. So this cow brought you up out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar for it. He was pretty happy with himself. And Aaron made a proclamation. And he said, tomorrow is the feast when I was trying to bring the Lord into it. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings to this cow and God at the same time. And the people sat down to eat and to drink, and they rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, you get your behind down there to your people. In other words, I'm done. These are your people. You know, as parents, she's your daughter. She's your daughter. She's... No, we didn't ever do that in our house. But the Lord said to Moses, go get thee down to your people, which you have uh, brought us out of the land of Egypt. How They've corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way. I commanded them, and they've made a molten calf, and I've worshipped it. And they sacrificed to it, because they said, remember, they're doing it to the Lord. But he said, you're doing it to this cow. These be their gods. Okie dokie which you have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked rich people. So the whole nation of Israel is in trouble right now. And everybody's in trouble because maybe a few people had itching ears and they saw their opportunity and they began to command and demand of Aaron and Aaron obeyed because everybody likes to be in charge. And um, he said um, to, in verse 10, I want you to leave me alone. God is talking to Moses. They're friends. I need you to leave me alone. Because they're about to get it. Pre-Jesus, sin calls out for judgment, and they're fixing to get some. That I may consume them. If you understand this, you'll understand what a great thing Jesus did for us. Sin calls out for judgment. But Jesus took it all. Jesus took it all. Jesus took it all. He said, I'm going to consume them, and I'm going to start over with you. Now, look, if Moses had any stuff in him at all, he'd have said, that's a great idea. Because I'm tired of these people, too. You know, you look at the word of God, and Moses and God were never on the same page when it came to destroying them. Because one time he said to God, did I bear all these people? Am I their mother? These are your people. So they, they, they had that parent thing going on a little bit. And then this is where the intercession begins. Because how many know if God says what he means? People say, well, you can't change the mind of God. Well, that's not necessarily true. Because God's mind was made up. And they're about to be, forgive me, toast. But intercession. And if it works this well in an old covenant, how much more does it work when you've got Jesus ever living to make intercession? When you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you making intercession. When you've got words spoken by God himself teaching you how to intercede. We ought to be, as the body of Christ, doing a little better. 
And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot against your people? He put them back on him. Which you brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. Do you remember that, God? Verse 12. Wherefore should the Egyptians, because this is what happened. You, you do that to them, then the Egyptians are going to be talking. Wherefore the Egyptian will say, for mischief, you brought them out here to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn your fierce wrath and repent. He's telling God to repent. <laughs> repent of this evil. Oh! <laughs> These are friends. Remember, uh-oh, now he went and done it. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Israel, Jacob, the, thy servants to whom you swear by your own self. Remember, God could swear by no greater, so he swears by himself. And you said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken, I will give unto you your seed. So what's he doing? Come, let it, Isaiah 43, 26, come, let us plead together. Well, I just believe God is sovereign. He is. But in this situation, his mind is being changed. Because of what? Not just because, not arbitrary. It's because of covenant was brought up. Do you have a covenant? Amen. Do you know the will of God? It's not the will of God that any should perish. So says the Lord. Would he extend someone's life who lived like a rank heathen all their days and on their deathbed, extend their life until they get born again? And send laborer after laborer, nurse after nurse, doctor after doctor, preacher after preacher, friend after friend. Yeah, he will give them until there's no more to give. God is that good. He invoked covenant. He invoked covenant. Remember Abraham, Isaac. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Jesus died for them, Father. I know they're acting like a bunch of knuckleheads. I know they don't believe that you're real, but I know you're real. And I'm asking you to have mercy on them. I'm asking you to have mercy on our government. I'm asking you to have mercy on the people of this nation. I'm asking you to have mercy on those that are trying to uh, bring vile things into our schools. I'm asking you to have mercy on them. Well, no, shouldn't we pray, Pastor Mark? Judge them, Lord. Judge them, Lord. Well, if, you're, if that's you, <laughs> you sons of thunder, you, uh, calling down thunder on everybody, to those who sow no mercy, the Lord will be merciless. If you know anything about me and my wife, we are mercy sowers almost to our own detriment sometimes. Because I believe in reaping mercy. I believe in the God of mercy. The God of mercy drugged me up out of a pit. I lived in a dunghill. And he did it. He lifted me up out of a dunghill and set me with the princes, even the princes of his people. He did that for you. He can do that for them. I don't care what kind of pig stuff they're wallowing in. They can come to themselves. Verse 14, and the Lord repented. What? Is this in the Bible? The Lord changes. What is repent? He changed his mind of the evil which he thought to do the people. And Moses turned and went down, and he cleaned house. Right? He did. He went down, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both sides, one side, the other side were written, and the tables of the work of God. I mean, when, 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 when Joshua heard the noise of the, the people and they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them. Because Joshua, who was up there hanging halfway between the glory and down there, he heard him. And he's like, uh-oh, we got some trouble down there. And he took the calf, verse 20, that they had made, burnt in the fire and ground. <laughs> okay, so he was all save him, save him, save him. But now you're going to drink it. <clears throat> right? 
He, he, he took the calf, the ground, burned it in the fire, ground it in the powder, straw it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink it. I don't know if that's best parenting advice, but that's what he did. You're going to remember this day. I stood face to face with the Lord your God. And you ain't doing this. You're going to remember this day. You're not doing it again. Woo! He burned it. Threw it in the water, say, y'all drink it. It tastes bad. It tastes better than being dead. Remember this day. No more calves around here. What is that? This is intercession. This is, though, Moses going all the way. Respectfully, not arrogantly, not standing face to face with. This is almighty God. This is before Jesus came. But their covenant was so strong, and he knew the covenant. And Moses, God talked to him as a friend. You remember? He talked to him as a friend. Remember Joshua's on the outside? But God, remember, remember when, um, who, who was, uh, um, you know, the two that got leprosy because uh, they was mad because he married that Ethiopian woman? Miriam, remember? She's mad because he married that gal from Ethiopia? We won't get into that. But he, he got mad because he married that gal from Ethiopia. And she's like, God speaks to us. And he's like, uh, I talk to you in like shadows and stuff, but I talk to him face to face. And um, again, she lived in an old covenant. God's not, aren't you glad Jesus took your leprosy? <laughs> the Lord's not be putting any of that on you. Why? Jesus took it. Jesus took it. Jesus took it. But who caused that? Well, Miriam. What did he do again? Moses prayed again for her. Who was talking trash about him and his wife? Right? He prayed for her. Could have left on it. She could have lived and just had it forever. But the Lord prayed. Listen, if the Lord will do that for an honorary girl like Miriam, you're good people. And he doesn't heal people because they're good. You're good because Jesus made you good. Come on, he's not a withholder. But you see this intercession. It's boldness to approach the king. The Lord wants you to have boldness to approach the king. You don't do it, you don't do it with arrogance. How dare us go to God and tell God what to do? Well, I'm not going to tell God what to do. He didn't do, tell God what to do. He just said, your word said. He said, you brought them out of here. This is what they're going to say about you. Right? And besides that, you made a covenant with them. And God's like, and you swore by yourself. All right. What did he say? Basically, you're right. And then Moses went down there and took care of it. Form of intercession, praying for those who despitefully use you. Ooh, it's easier preached and read than done. But when we do that, we're interceding, and it opens the door for God to work on people's lives. Pastor Rhonda was teaching this. We are up in Terre Haute. You remember that scripture, and I don't have it written down, but it pops up in my heart. In the New Testament, where it talks about, you know, basically, uh, if you, the Lord will heap coals on someone's head. And as a New Testament believer, you get excited about that because you're like, get them, God. Burn them, you know, leave a mark. But if you study it and you take it back to the New Testament, New Testament back to the Old Testament, again, you need the Old Covenant. And you need the, because he's writing to people who should know what the Old Covenant says. And it's talking about the altar and the coals on the altar. And what happens is when, when, that, when the water is poured on them, the fragrance and the odor, the fra fragrance is odor, fragrance and the odor, and the, the, it goes up before the Lord. And forgiveness comes or the, whatever, it, the blessing comes. 
And really, when you pray for someone who's despitefully used you, you are heaping coals of condemnation upon their head, King James. And really what you're doing is you're allowing the Lord to get in their life. I remember when I heard that first preach, because I read it all those other times, because I've had a lot of people do me wrong. Have you? I remember when I used to read it, I got so excited about it. And then when I heard it taught correctly, I was like, oh, man. You're not going to get them? Oh, I'm going to get them. Just not like you wanted me to get them. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. I'm going to help them. Amen? I'm going to help them. That's what the Lord does. Aren't you grateful? All right. Let's pray. So y'all stand up. Let's take a few minutes. Let's pray. We got meetings coming up with Dr. Varela. We prayed about those. They prayed about those at noon today. Keep those in your prayer life. But today we're talking about intercession. So I want you to talk. I want you to talk to the Lord we're going to, since we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah, we talked about the nation of Israel. Um, let's, let's pray people group wise. So let's just pray over Huntsville, uh, Madison County, Limestone County, Morgan County, up into Tennessee. Um, you know, normally I talk about the Lord's given us a 150 mile radius uh, and, and we have people come from all over places, but that's kind of the spiritual uh, direction that he's given us. So I want you to pray for them. I'm going to pray, um, and then you just join in. If you get a town on your heart, you know, obviously if you live in Madison, Huntsville, which most of you do, but or if you get something on your heart of everything we've talked about, just pray about it. So I'm going to lead you. Father God, we come in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this area that you have put us in. We're so grateful for the dominion, for the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. And so first of all, I thank you for this region. I thank you for North Alabama, and I, th- I give thanks. I give thanks for this area. I give you thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this area, North Alabama. Thank you, Father, for how you've blessed us. Thank you for Southern Tennessee. Thank you that this region has been blessed by you. We're so grateful for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I know there are people moving into this area. They're coming from all over. They think they're coming for a job, but you, you have, you're bringing them here. You're calling them here. You're calling them here to, to uh, be born again, to come back to you, to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we pray. We pray for every type of industry here in this uh, area. We pray for the different kinds of industry. We pray for redstone. I pray for redstone. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for the people as they come, as some of them come temporarily, they flow in and out. I thank you, Father, that their lives are changed by the glory of God. I thank you, Father, that the laborers are many going into Redstone and affecting those that come uh, partially through and those that stay here. And Father, I thank you for those that are moving in. I thank you, Father, for the FBI agent and the FBI people that are going to be moving in, the Space Force people that are going to be moving in, those that are moving in to work at Toyota, those that are moving in to work in the different things and even things we don't know that they're going to bring here and there are going to be people moving in. They're going to be people moving in. They're going to be people moving in. And so, Father, I thank you that we uh, are your laborers. And I ask you to send this church, each and every member in particular, into the harvest field. Father, we, we pray for laborers to go into this harvest field in this area. We ask you to. We ask you to, Father. We ask you to forgive them. We ask you to help them. We ask you to intervene in their lives. I ask you to intervene in their lives. I ask you to intervene in this this younger generation. I pray for James Clemens. I pray for Bob Jones. I I pray for Sparkman. I pray for uh, for Grissom. I pray for all the all all the high school for Decatur. I I, I pray for uh, all of them. I pray, Father, for Austin. I pray all uh, Athens. I pray uh, into Huntsville. I pray for all of them. I pray, Father, for the teenagers in our region that they would know you. Lord, I ask you to send laborers into that harvest field that they would know you. I pray, Father, for the college campuses in this town. I pray for Alabama A&M. I pray, Father, for Athens State. I pray for UAH. I pray for Calhoun. I pray for all. I I pray for them. I I pray for them, Father. I thank you for it. Hallelujah. I thank you for it, Father, that you, you are making a way on high school campuses and college campuses.
You're, you're, we send laborers into, those, into that region, into those places in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, that there would be a revival at A&M. That there would be a revival at A&M. That there would be a revival at A&M. That there would be a revival at UAH. That there would be a revival on Calhoun. That there would be a revival. Hallelujah. 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 That you would reach that generation. We ask you to intervene in Jesus' name. We ask you to intervene in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Laborers, laborers, each, each church in this area, that they would be laborers into the harvest field. That we would not sit idly by and say we're doing better than everybody else. We're fine. No, Lord, I ask you to, to, to compel this body, compel other bodies in this region to, to, to stretch forth their hand and let you use them to heal people, not only physically, but emotionally, and that they would be born again and come into a knowledge of the truth. We ask you for it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I'm glad you came tonight. Trust you were blessed. Now go be a minister of reconciliation.